The world of commerce is changing fast. In this session hosted by Michael Coles of Cedent, we explore the value of insurance to the biggest technology firms, the big risks they face, and what tech would be the most helpful to them in managing risks. Lauren Nickel of Google and Brian Warren of Microsoft are two of the leading risk managers in the world who are already having to manage unprecedented new age risks such as autonomous vehicles and cloud computing. Can the insurance industry keep up? Today's episode is a recording of a session at the 2019 InsureTech Connect Conference in Las Vegas. We all know none of you guys came here for me, so I'm pleased to introduce <laughs> Brian uh, from Microsoft and Lauren here from Google. For those of you emailing in the back of the room, please keep going. These guys are cha-chinging and making money every time you send that email. So keep it <laughs> only conference <laughs> sessions today that we encourage you to uh, keep your head down. So there's been lots of announcements at ITC this year about new launches in the insurance industry. Do you have one yourself here, Lauren? I do not. Are you not we are, the we, we are not getting into insurance. <laughs> there is no big announcement. Uh, so sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be dull. Okay. So, I mean, one of the big questions that I get all the time is that we see is that these big tech firms surely are going to be the insurance companies of the future. They've got a massive amount of data and customers and you know, customer acquisition costs are incredibly low. Why is that? And do you really think that, are, are you entering the insurance industry? Or are you ever going to be in the insurance industry? Uh, I guess I can start. I mean, I, I would say we've, we're already in the insurance industry. Like every large corporation technically is in the insurance industry, right? We have risk. We use insurance to displace that. And then we use it for our products. Uh, you know, so again, self-driving cars, insurance is a really important component of what uh, self-driving cars are going to look like in the future. So we need to be in insurance and we need to have an understanding of what's going on. And so that's kind of obviously my role and Brian's role with our, our companies is to help uh, under, the company understand how to use insurance and use it in ways that helps our products. Yeah, Microsoft has a booth here. We're at 405. Let's stop by and say hi. Insurance companies are some of our biggest and best customers. So in that sense, yes, we're also in the industry. Beyond that, I think it is true what Lauren was saying. It's like as we continue to evolve into new technologies, the ability of our customers to get insurance for cyber risks, for self-driving cars, for whatever it might be, is it's really important to us. It enables that business model to, to work. So, so or do we want to get into the insurance industry? I, I think you know there's a tremendous amount of specialized talent and skill in the industry that understands how to develop insurance products, how to market insurance products. And honestly, that's a huge burden that we potentially, at this point, are not really interested in taking on. Reminiscent of the old days uh, when the gold rush happened in Alaska, and guys that made the most money were the ones that set up shops selling picks and shovels in Seattle as they got onto the ferry boats heading north. That's kind of where the technology, you know, the large tech companies that are doing cloud services are kind of in that mode where we're creating the infrastructure and the platforms that then enables all of you, you know, the technologists in the audience and the, and, uh, the insurance companies also to capitalize that on that and use platforms that help you run your business. Let me take a step back here because an earlier version of the description of today 
reference dumb, uh, not dumb, <laughs> Doctor Strange and Doctor yeah. Stranger, right? So, yep. um, so Lauren, your background here is as an actuary. Now you're the risk manager of, of Google. So I want to hear kind of what your role there is, and as well as Brian. So again, Brian runs all of risk and insurance for Microsoft, that apparently in the back room here is the better looking of the three of us. Um, so that's his kind of... Only in the back, not in the front. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us about your role and, and both what, what you actually do when you wake up and you, and you go into the office in, uh, in Seattle and, 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 and Sunnydale. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, so our jobs are obviously to help the company understand their risk. It's not all about uh, buying insurance, so it's understanding what are the risks for the companies, what are the, what are the trends, what are the emerging risks, how do you view that? Um, and so for me, it's very helpful to be an actuary and to be able to quantify the information and, and use that to drive better insights for the company. We try to help facilitate products. So again, the self-driving car is a great example of where you help facilitate a product by creating insurance solutions that enable that product to come to life um, in a much better time frame than you would otherwise do, and then help them think through you know, these bigger picture items in terms of you know, the cloud is changing the, the entire world in terms of transformation of technology and where, where it's stored and where it's used. How do you think about that risk and then make sure the company understands uh, what that looks like going forward? So having kind of views of that and again, having actuary background is really helpful to drive the company in, in a certain direction. So like what, how, how do you split your day between purchasing insurance and, and risk management and, and the quantitative side? It's an interesting job to be in, and, and different companies solve it in different ways. But uh, at one point, I used to quip around the company that the risk manager was the fastest growing job title in the company um, because we have people that do you know online cyber risk, cyber defense, that are specialists in that. We have business continuity specialists. We have compliance specialists. And every one of those groups has somebody that's got risk management in their title. So um, what's, what makes me unique? We're the only ones that buy the insurance for the company. So when you kind of look at that's that's really our specialty is the risk financing aspect. You know, insurance policies are typically bought on an annual basis, right? So once a year, you go through this big cycle where you're going around collecting up all the data that, that you need to provide to the underwriters doing the marketing process, your broker's out there working hard for you to call up all the underwriters and, you know, get your programs lined up because, you know, one of the kind of more amusing things when people say, oh, who do you buy your insurance from? And I'm like, I need to get the list out for you. It's probably 50 or 60 or 70 companies. You, market, you both of your market caps are almost nearing a trillion these days. So why do you feel like you need to go to buy insurance from a company that's you're dwarfing in terms of the amount of cash you have in your accounts to them? Well, first I would say buying insurance sucks. Like nobody, <laughs> like, like that's not a fun process, right? And there's probably like a bunch of people who agree or disagree on, on how that works, right? So the, the people that are trying to change that are in this room, which is awesome. So like keep that up, right? We want to we wanna have a better buying process. Um, and again, I don't want that to be my full-time job, right? Like I don't want to go out and have to do all the things that we do to buy insurance. We want it to be simpler. We want it to be cleaner. We want it to be... Um, you know, relevant to our businesses, right? So I want that to, to kind of change and evolve um, over time. So, mm-hmm. I want, you know, one of the things I want to tell everyone here is just keep at it and keep making that process better. But obviously, it can't stop there, right? Like we don't, like my job, again, isn't all about buying insurance. I don't want it to be about buying insurance. I want it about transforming risk and really having a good insights and strategy for the business. Has, has, so, so you're at this InsureTech and Ad conference, first time here? Yes. 
First time? Second. Second. Oh, look. And so, glad you can make it again. So, um, have any of these insure tech companies reached out to you so far today? Uh, and then while you're here, do you have meetings? What sort of meetings are you having? I've had a few. Um, it's interesting because, you know, once we kind of explain, you know, I explain what I actually do. Uh, Which is really fun. It, it becomes like, well, I'm not sure how this is going to overlap, but let's stay in touch. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not buying the technology per se. I'm, you know, not buying insurance here. So, uh, but it is a great learning experience. The trying to see what's possible, and, and then working with the Microsoft team here and helping to find ways to contact or get in, reach out and uh, understand what the customers' needs are. As I said at the beginning, you know, our customers' needs for insurance are are becoming more and more important to us because uh, you know they they. Was it yesterday in the uh, cyber session, I believe? Um, I can't remember who said it, but the, it's like when you have a cyber claim event and you call the insurance company, you don't really, you're not thinking, I want the money from the claim. You're thinking, I want somebody to come help me solve my problem and get my systems cleaned up again. I want service, and, you know, and, and that's where Microsoft has a lot of experience. You know, our, uh, service agreement. Where, it's like, where's the line? There's another kind of, where's, are we in the insurance business already? We, we sell premier agreements to enterprise customers that sort of prepays their customer support for a year. Um, those customer support agreements, you know, when people have a, a, you know, cyber event, oftentimes they call us and we provide support under the terms of the premier agreement. So is that insurance? Mm-hmm. No, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's kind of acting that way because that's kind of the same process that happens when you call your cyber claims and, and say, hey, I got a problem, I need help. How do you compete with that, Lauren? On the cl- so cloud computing, how big is that risk? And how are you competing from a risk management standpoint with a massive aggregation of data on, these, on the cloud platforms and the exposure from cyber? What we want to do is to create ways to make our products better and insurance sometimes enables that, right? So insurance can help align financial incentives to do the right thing. So again, when we're talking about who we're meeting with and how does that help us uh, here at ITC, meeting with companies that are creating more data sets, we really want to be able to interact and think big. And one of the first things I learned when you come to Google was I never was thinking big enough. Um, and that's one of the challenges when you come to Google and the scale is so, so large, is that you really need to think bigger. And so we want to be able to think bigger and think about climate change and think about the things that will make a difference in terms of uh, how our company operates and how we influence uh, the world. How are you thinking bigger, Brian? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always a challenge to try to balance out what you'd like to be able to do with what uh, can fit in the priority list for the current time period, you know. But uh, um, I think, as I was saying before, you know, uh, I, we buy the insurance from Microsoft. That's an annual cycle. When that's you know, during the rest of the year, we're having conversations with different groups inside the company to try to understand how their business is developing, where they're seeing new problems. Uh, you know, what kind of things we might be able to help with. Um, Can you, you give know, us an it, example about a new, uh, a new venture Microsoft might be in or a new area of risk that's emerging that you, you really play a role in helping? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that one's not... Uh, 
not quite coming to mind right now. Let's see. IP or anything like that? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we've, we've done some things with IP coverage. It's, uh, that's kind of a longer story. <laughs> um, what are some of the bigger risks that you guys are facing today? So when you go to market, you're buying like a billion of limit these days. So two billion of limit between the two of you. What are, the, what are the, some of the big risk coverages that you are purchasing? I mean, certainly cyber, obviously, is a concern for both of your organizations. A significant amount of risk is transforming because of the cloud. Uh, so, you know, cyber is on the minds of everyone, right? So not just, again, for us as an organization, but for our customers as well. So, again, I, what's interesting about both our companies because of the cloud organizations is, again, we have to think holistically um, beyond just our company, right? We have to think about all of the different companies that exist worldwide because, again, these are not just like U.S. operations and they're not just one type of customer. They're everybody that exists in the ecosystem. So we have to think real broadly about how that cyber transformation is happening and can we create products that help our customers. So you know, we definitely think about that. Um, and then just, again, with the scale, you think about you know, property insurance and other traditional things that you have to think about as your organization grows and gets larger. A lot of these companies talk about property, and you know, there's lots of different technologies out there from a data, from a geospatial analytics, looking at roof types. You've got sensors looking at flood and, and rooms. Lots of tech, which is insure tech. You've also got internal platforms such as you know, CRMs or you've got policy management systems. And normally these guys are knocking on the doors of uh, the CVC units of insurance companies or the innovation units there as their potential clients. Should they be knocking on your door as well? Uh, I guess they do, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, I, I guess part of being the nice thing about being at a Google and a Microsoft is we get, have a lot of conversations with a lot of different folks um, in different areas. So we, we do get to help drive some innovation. And I think that's, you know, it's really important and imperative actually for us at, at uh, what we do is to help drive the insurance industry into areas that maybe they're not comfortable with yet, or maybe that, you know, just the scale isn't quite there um, from an insurance standpoint yet, but we know where the trends are going and we can help drive those. So we need to have conversations with uh, all kinds of providers to make those things happen. So what about um, the hurdles that you guys are running into in the market these days? So the insurance industry generally is a slow-moving industry, and I would say big tech is generally a very fast-moving industry. And I'd imagine there's a massive disconnect between the solutions that the insurance industry can provide to the, where you are as the top 10 risks that you guys might face. Um, what are those, some of those issues that you're dealing with that you would like to kind of see the insurance industry change? Yeah, I don't know. The, probably the one pain point that I think a lot of companies and tech companies are feeling is around uh, cybersecurity because there just aren't enough highly you know, qualified cybersecurity people out there in the industry. Um, we're standing up... Um, customer-facing teams really quickly to be able to help customers and, and address, help them use our products as, in as secure a manner as possible and understand how to do that and help architect their systems to be as secure as possible, help with design. And, uh, but, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, as I said before, we're trying to get to the point where we can help our customers better respond to these things. And so trying to help customers you know, say, 
they want to hire Microsoft to help with an incident response, um, you know, one of the things that we've come across is if we're not listed on the, their cyber policy as part of their panel of vendors, uh, it, the problems develop in terms of uh, who's, who's leading the incident response and engagement. So, uh, you know, part of our ability to respond to that would involve developing better sort of cohesion and conversation in this community of people that have grown up. There's lots of companies out there that work for insurance companies now that do incident response. Um, figuring out ways to help get those guys to work better with Microsoft uh, would be in the best interest of both parties. Yep, and I guess I would say, you know, there's, there's a couple of really big issues. I mean, and we get to see it just because we're large and we buy a lot of insurance and talk to a lot of uh, insurance companies, so we have a good kind of purview of the marketplace. I mean, the so for us, it's certainly difficult to buy certain types of insurance, certain amounts of insurance. Um, so obviously there's a need that's not being met, right? And, and uh, so something is, is amiss in that kind of arrangement. And I guess it stems actually from, from my mind in a two couple larger kind of trends is I just don't see as many of the uh, pioneers um, in the industry, in the insurance industry, because they've really kind of gone to tech, quite frankly. So, you know, in insurance, we used to have like the Hank Greenbergs of the world who really challenged and moved the industry in, in a different direction. Now, all of those people are in tech. I mean, you're, again, you're talking about the Steve Jobs or the Bill Gates of the world who are driving the, the tech industry in different places. But insurance is kind of missing that. We're missing the pioneers that will, that will change the industry and then take the risk. Um, the insurance structure just doesn't allow that currently. And the other part, I guess I would say, is what's been systemic. Um, systematic about uh, a lot of the industry as well is the lack of diversity creates these issues as well because uh, again, if you look at this conference it's not well distributed and so the products and services that people could be generating from the diversity it just doesn't exist right and it's it's silent like it's not something that people see it's just a, a result of what happens uh, when you don't have the different viewpoints and different perspectives so I think that kind of needs to change. Um, and again, you need to have pioneers on, that help make that change and make that difference to, to get the industry moving forward that then makes insurance buying less sucky. So are, they, are, they, are these insurance companies wanting to work with you because of that? Because you are dynamic and incredibly technical versus the traditional history? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally think so. I mean, I think, you know, again, in my mind, it's partnerships. I don't, want to th I don't want people to get the impression that I think all insurance companies are bad. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is we obviously partner with all of these folks, and there's a lot of really good people in the industry, um, and we need those people to drive and, and make change. And it is tough. It is a regulatory environment that's you know, very different than, than uh, you know, tech or other parts of the world. So you have to deal with those constructs, but... Um, but it is important to, to kind of push, push the envelope. So, I mean, tra the, the traditional insurance product hasn't changed for, for centuries, really, right? You, mm. you talked about it earlier, Brian. You buy insurance on an annual basis. It's pretty much the same policy language and the existing DNOs and property coverages and GL policies that you've been buying. You're just kind of competing on price. For the next 10 years, are we looking at the same sort of thing, or, or are you guys able to drive a change in the industry from the customer's perspective? about product development and what you really desire and amend it to your business? Yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I, 
you used to use the phrase driving change and it's like well, more often I feel like you know we're kind of surfers looking to ride a wave because <laughs> you know the tech industry is so big and the, the insurance industry is so big and you know trying to find out where those real big waves of change are going to happen and then get in front of those and try to benefit from them so uh, you know I, I don't know if we have the ability to drive the direction of the industry, but uh, we're definitely always watching, you know, self, or not self-driving cars, but, you know, the sensors that you put in cars to accelerometers and to tell you if you're braking too hard or, I mean, those kind of things, you know, dynamically change the price of the insurance as you're driving, right? And uh, that's one topic I'm, I wonder how the insurance product itself will change as the sort of proliferation of sensors, Internet of Things, starts to create this environment where you can dynamically reevaluate the risk at any given point in time. Um, How far away are we from something like that, some sort of real-time underwriting, real-time claims adjustment? <laughs> well, I mean, there's companies out there, right, uh, that are doing it. Uh, you know, I, I talk to Scott at Trove all the time. Like, they're, you know, working with, you know, constructs that are changing and evolving and, and getting better. Um, you know, there's still regulatory constraints within that uh, construct as well. But, you know, people are starting to move that direction. And definitely, you know, we will help enable those things. Because, again, it's good for our customers, right? We're not really doing it for our company. We're doing it for our customers. So if we can make the insurance process better for them, again, that's related to our products, then, then uh, you know, it helps everyone. What about things like, um, so the, the insurance product itself is changing with access to data. There's parametric policies, et cetera. Have you bought any parametric policies? Have you been through proof of concepts? Is this something that's taking off? It's got a ways to go. Um, <laughs> I certainly evaluated those, those uh, products, but I, like it's, there's still gaps, right? So, and I think, you know, Brian was mentioning sensors. I think probably part of the biggest problem is actually like sensors and data um, estimation because the parametric products by definition have some sort of definition problem, right? You have to compared to the risk that you have, and it's never exactly the same compared to the risk that you have. So you're going to lose something in that kind of transaction. So you need a parametric product that is actually related to the risk that you have, and we're not there today. So we've got to be able to find ways to get the actual risk compared to the parametric product to, to match up and align. Yeah. No, we have actually acquired one uh, parametric program on Puget Sound earthquake exposure. And uh, it was an interesting process. A lot of the reason we did it was just, you know, I, we like the concept of parametric. We like the, the fast payment, um, the sort of the clarity of the, if you pass the trigger point, you, the payment comes. There's no, um, you know, long drawn out risk adjustment process. But, uh, you know, and it was a, it was definitely a learning experience to you know because exactly the things you mentioned you know you had, you have to come into it with a basically a geological study almost that tells you what your probability of quakes at certain levels of magnitude in the area that you're wanting to get the coverage for so it's not a trivial exercise to buy it um, it takes a lot of sort of iterative dialogue and uh, you know we're I'm actually slated to do a discussion of this topic at the Risk and Insurance Management Society conference this coming spring, uh, just kind of walking through what the process was and how it came together. So uh, if you're interested and have a chance to get to that one, uh, <laughs> and get a, a more in-depth exposure. How, how many 
you guys probably buy what like 50 different policies a year i mean even probably more than that and it's obviously very um let's just say innovative and kind of how you're managing risk as a technical sort of risk manager large organization versus the traditional uh company that's that's a large one but do you think there's a role for efficiency in your organization from risk management from a data and operational technology platform perspective I mean, there's definitely room for efficiency. Um, and what that looks like, I guess, is it's tough to say what that's gonna what's gonna be like in the future. Um, but again, I don't want to have a process like we do today, where we have an annual renewal and we spend three months prepping for the annual renewal, and then post renewal we talk about it for another month, and then we you know do the cycle again where we plan for another three months. So the the cycling is is tough and doesn't really add a lot of value to the the process from a corporate buyer's perspective um which again we're which we're trying to change for our customers so that are usually smaller in nature from a company standpoint so to make it easier for them to to buy insurance and scale insurance uh, for their organization as their organizations change no i mean again the world is evolving right so i guess what's what's tough is to to see where it's going to evolve and how it's going to change and, and to be ready for, uh, for those changes and, and sometimes obviously drive some of those changes. But, um, you know, it is tough. It's, uh, the, move, the world moves so much faster than it has in the past. And so it's, you have to adapt much quicker. And again, I'm an actuary, so we like to use historical data to predict what's going to happen in the future. And that doesn't always work. And you have to change your methods and you have to, again, get new data to, to really figure out where you're going to go. So for us, you know, what keeps me up at night is really, again, thinking that longer term vision of what are we going to do about climate change? What are we going to do about these other things that uh, are going to be critical for all of our companies to survive? Yeah, I mean, we, the, you say Puget Sound earthquake is, you know, wasn't a few years ago, the New York Times did like this big front page story about, you know, the, the earthquake hazard in the state of Washington and around Seattle. Uh, so, you know, obviously that kind of got people's attention. Um, and, and even now, you know, climate change is, is a topic that the uh, Washington State Insurance Commissioner has a task force working on, uh, trying to, and, and his, uh, watched a little video clip of what he had to say about it, and it's basically uh, the price of insurance is going to go up and the availability of insurance is going to go down for homeowners and businesses because of climate change, and he's, I was questioning, why is the insurance commissioner trying to lead this climate change initiative? And it just clicked at that moment that he's anticipating that, that consumers are gonna be extremely unhappy with the insurance industry and with the insurance commissioner indirectly when they start seeing these bills going up or their availability for coverage going down. And uh, so I think he's trying to get out in front of it now and engage the industry and engage different functional groups in the state government to, to come together and start looking for ways to, to mitigate that problem. But like, so I guess my, like, there's a problem with that premise, like, right? So the, the premise is that if there's more risk, then insurance goes down. Like in theory, like it should be the opposite, right? Like there's more risk, so you should actually be able to sell more insurance and you should, you know, again, if you're doing it right, actually have a bigger business because mm -hmm. now you can actually, you know, provide more coverage to your your customers. So yeah. it's an interesting dynamic, right? Why why is that? Like, why does it exist like that? Why can't we change that dynamic? Yeah. 
And I, yeah. That's that, a rhetorical question. That sounds, <laughs> yeah. But poor Brian's like, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> so one of the things that a conversation that happens sort of outside this room, but in the insurance industry generally, is this idea that the value chain of insurance is incredibly fat. It's very expensive, mm. right? So if you wanted to place your policy in London or wherever else, I mean, you've got lots of mouths to feed. Has that reached your desk when you think about purchasing insurance? Uh, you know, price is always a factor. <laughs> so, uh, and different lines of coverage, you see pricing move and, you know, some, sometimes you look at it and you think, everybody's making a subjective estimate as to what they think the actual underlying risk is. Uh, and that's really kind of the nature of the, especially when you get to folks like us, it's like, you know, it's Google. Alphabet's not just any company. They have an actuary as their insurance buyer. <laughs> he kind of knows what he's, what he's looking at when he's seeing pricing. And so, uh, at least I can fake it really well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've you got know, things we, like we, ILS, right? So the idea that... Some, well, I say there's some coverages where we think the pricing is actually really good and fine, we'll continue to buy that. If all of a sudden the rates went you know, 50% up and we didn't like it anymore, thought the pricing was not fair, then maybe we didn't, wouldn't buy it. Or maybe we negotiate, and, or maybe we just change the amount we're buying and kind of see how the market evolves. But, uh, but it's always a you know, subjective decision every year in terms of looking at various lines and trying to see, okay, is this still a good deal for me? And you know, fortunately, as companies that both have really strong balance sheets, you know, we kind of have the luxury of being able to say, you know what, we'll, we'll carry more risk this year because the market's maybe doesn't seem to be signaling pricing that's in line with what we really think our risk is. And uh, we have the capacity to do that. So if you buy a billion dollars of limit today, billion dollars of risk, in five years' time, how much limit of risk do you think you might be buying? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Trying to predict the future in the tech industry is, uh, is even harder than just trying to predict the future in the industry. You're giving something, Brian. So are we going up or are we going down, you think? Where's the trend heading? Well, I hope we're going up because that would mean the company's growing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I guess I think it's going to transform, right? It's not going to be the same equation. It's not like you buy X and then you buy X plus some number. Like, you should be able to transform the risk in some way so that different people are sharing the risk and, and again, in a different way. So, again, maybe your customers are sharing some of the risk and maybe there's other companies in the chain that are sharing the risk differently than, than what exists today. So, I'm thinking the vision isn't like taking X and adding to X, it's going to, it's going to look different. And, and how, in what way from a risk standpoint? Um, so are we going to be buying large limits for AV? For, you know, is the cyber limits going to increase? Like what are these risks that these large big techs are facing that you're going to really be hounding the market for? Well, I mean, again, AV is a great example of risk shifting, right? The risk it doesn't necessarily change in itself. Um, although, again, if AVs are better than humans, it should reduce in, in, in the grander scheme of things. Uh, but there is risk shifting of, you know, it goes from a driver, the risk shifts from the driver to, you know, the operator, of the, which may not be the driver. It could be a company, it could be um, some other operating company. So once that risk changes, it just means it, it's going to be shared by someone else. And is it falling on your balance sheet? So, you know, it could, um, but it could, you know, go to other folks as well. So those are things that we have to think through of what, what we want to do. And, and again, the business model, you know, drives a lot of those changes. So it's yeah. not like we think about insurance as the first 
th result? When you think about, you know, what's the best business model and then how does the insurance fit into that construct? Yeah, the shape of the risk definitely changes as the business models evolve with the technology. So, you know, 10 years ago, uh, when Microsoft's business was primarily licensing software, you know, get the, you know, DVD in a box kind of thing, um, intellectual property infringement was still a really big risk um, that, you know, we had substantial uh, litigation kind of on an ongoing basis, but then there were certain legal precedents that happened. The American Invents Act passed. Uh, we changed our business model, shifted away from licensing more towards subscription mode and cloud services and cloud delivery of, of software and services as sort of an ongoing, you know, uh, service. So as a result of all of those dynamics, the, the, the pace of patent infringement liability, at least in the you know, software industry, has gone down quite a lot. And the size of the settlements has gone down quite a lot. So, um, you know, at the same time, cyber risk exposure has increased. So, you know, when you say what's, what's going to look, is going to grow in five years, it's like, well, some, some coverage needs, some risks may actually go down a lot. Others may grow. And that's, you know, keeping up with that is why we still have, you know, a job to do. <laughs> so if there's, last question for you guys, so if there's one person sitting in the audience here and you can, they could wave a magic wand and, and provide some sort of platform solution, capital, <coughs> what is it you're on your wish list at the top of it that you're looking for these days, managing the risk of these large tech? Gosh, I, one thing, I, I guess I would sum up and say it was all the things that I talked about in the sense of, Again, we need more pioneers in the industry that are going to drive change and move that forward. We're going to need more diversity to make those things happen. And then, uh, again, we need to, people have the vision to think through things like climate change that are going to change our environment. So putting all of that together, someone needs to figure all of that out. Yeah, it's like collaboration. It's like we... I've seen it in different software development, application development environments over the years. It's like... You got to have the business people fully engaged. You get the technology people fully engaged. You need people, you know, companies like Microsoft working with with folks like all you guys out in the room to, um, you know, find ways to actually work together because these problems are bigger than any one company can solve on their own. And, uh, well, well, thank you. There's for your plenty time. of opportunities for Perhaps. us all to work together and build a better future. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Yes, SJ is playing the ITC loss control role right now. Oh, dear. <laughs> yep.